0: It's travel with Stephanie Abrams. Well, a very, very special welcome to KFSA in Fort Smith, Arkansas. 9.50 on the AM dial and 93.1 on the FM dial. And when I learned last week that they had joined our family of valued Radio Station Affiliates Nationwide, and I heard it was Fort Smith, Arkansas. I, I felt like I was welcoming home friends. And that's because years ago, 13 years ago, coming up in September, so it's 12 and a half years now, I was privileged to play the role of Stephanie Abrams, Travel Fairy Godmother, and send a nun from the monastery in Fort Smith, Arkansas, along with a traveling companion who helped spearhead that event for 11 days and 10 nights in Ireland. And the nun is Sister Kathy Markey, uh, the archivist, or she has been in her more than 30 years there, Uh, at the monastery, uh, the archivist, and our traveling companion, who was on the line with me giggling, Kathleen Jarvis. Uh, Thank (laughs) you so much for... uh, I'm so happy I was able to connect with you again. I I heard Fort Smith, and all kinds of bells went off in my head.
1: (laughs) Have you been? Oh, I'm
0: so happy that you're here now in Fort Smith, Stephanie. And I left when you said
1: fairy godmother. There's quite a story to that, yes, and uh, well, I'm sure we'll get into that.
0: Yeah. Um, firstly, um, when I flew with my husband Mark at the last moment to Ireland to meet up with you because the seven nights in the middle of your trip, or actually I guess it was uh, more like five, five or six nights in the middle of your trip, the driver of the car and driver we arranged for you um, to take you around Ireland was going to have some emergency that could not be handled by anybody else. And we had to come over because I couldn't figure out how at the last minute to find another suitable driver when the company was flat out with no drivers available at that point. And at that time, it was about a week before Sister Catherine's 80th birthday. Her birthday was right at the end of the trip. So that means she's coming up on 93 now. How is she doing? Well, she's she's making it. uh, She's she's making it. Well, you know, as my Irish friends would say, when I ask, how are you doing? The common trendy thing to say is, I'm wearing out. (laughs) (laughs) It happens to the best of us. We wear out. Sister Catherine (laughs) keeps a, she always has a thumbs up to life, so. uh, Oh, my word. Didn't I find that out? Didn't I find that out? The two of you Uh, uh, were the most cheerful, happy, cooperative, roll with the punches travelers I have ever encountered and at the age of almost 80 one of the most progressive religious people I've ever met because I can remember we said grace at meals and sister Catherine would always start with dear lord may you be he or she <laughs> yes.
1: oh, and that was quite catholic. a surprise
0: to me for a catholic nun
1: uh, uh, that's just
0: Oh, yes, indeed. What a a delightful woman. Uh, Maybe you can talk a little bit um, about how we got together and your trip to Ireland. We only have a few minutes. Well, back from Sister Camille or saying I've got the best travel advisor in the whole wide world, my friend Stephanie Abrams, and I know you want to take Sister Catherine to Ireland. Let me put you in touch with her back from then. Or, from yeah, right, okay. So we got together through Sister Camille Darienzo, a member of the community of the Sisters, the mid Atlantic community of the Sisters of Mercy. And right, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. those of you and, who ever listened to 1010 Winds in New York for years, Sister Camille g- uh, gave on Sundays the one minute they called it the spiritual minute. She's She's quite right. an amazing woman, oh, yes, she is. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we because we're running out of time. Hold you over to next week and dive into that trip because I know you have so much to share and and meantime muster up the folks in Fort Smith, Arkansas so they don't miss it. So, thanks for being with us this hour everybody. Come back next week and we're flying high. It's travel with Stephanie Abrams. I, I can't tell you what it is, uh, what a joy it is for me to start this new First of all, to start this new year, we could stop the sentence right there. <laughs> because the year from hell is behind us, and we can only hope that things get easier, better, and we all recover. Because I don't think there is any industry that hasn't been negatively impacted, except maybe for some of the big online retailers who are prospering amazingly well. And thank God for them because I don't know how we would have gotten groceries into our house that we rented in County Antrim, Northern Ireland when we got marooned there because we couldn't get a booking time slot at the local supermarket for delivery. And once we went into that house, we weren't coming out except to go into the gorgeous garden and the beautiful walled courtyard and get in our rental car and take a ride around and, you know, not interface with people, but just enjoy the scenery and the historic places. And, oh, my gosh, uh, as I said earlier, I wouldn't give away that five months for anything in the world. It was glorious. And And I wouldn't feel the same way if either my husband or myself had gotten sick. So, you know, managing to stay healthy is optimum. That's number one. And Zane Kirby, the president and CEO of ASTA, the American Society of Travel Advisors, an organization that years ago, when it was called the American Society of Travel Agents, um, not only was I an active member, but I was active to the point of serving on uh, uh, ACTMO, the ASTA Council of Travel Marketing Organizations that was made up of leaders in the travel industry. And those of you in travel who have, have longevity will remember um, I was on that council when Erlen Quazi was president of Asta. And um, Mike Spinelli was there representing Action Six and um, uh, Space and Leisure Time was a member before, I guess it was after, it was just called Space then. And every franchise company of travel agencies, every consortium in the travel industry. They were all members and there were about 20 of us around that table that represented something like 30,000 or more, 35,000 travel agents uh, between us or travel agencies maybe. Um, It was was a remarkable time not without its challenges. And the travel industry has always reacted when there are economic challenges, political challenges, natural disasters, man-made disasters, um, illnesses, hijackings and skyjackings. None of that was new. I mean, it goes back to my earliest days in the travel industry. as I described it a week or so ago, being in the travel industry is like having labor pains. There are moments of great joy, followed by moments of seriously painful contractions. And um, in spite of that, if you talk to people who complain about the difficulties of being in the travel industry, and you ask them, so are you gonna leave? The answer is generally a a swift hell no. (laughs) Because it's in your blood and you're going nowhere and you understand it and it's all about optimism, thinking outside not just the box but the whole closet, (laughs) Um, being creative, persevering, being optimistic, and being smart. Not just working hard, but working smart. So what is it that the folks at ASTA are doing in conjunction with your membership to be smart on behalf of travelers and the travel industry and the suppliers that take care of all those folks?
1: Yeah, Stephanie, it's such a great question, and I think that you know we're working on a number of different fronts. But but you know, I'm I'm kind of uh, right now in in response to your question, I'm thinking about the the letter that we wrote and the meeting that we're trying to have with it with the incoming Biden administration. And we've asked him for a couple of things. We know that, pe- that you know, we can't do everything all at once, but it's really important to get Western Europe and the Caribbean back open. So right. we want the new administration to focus their diplomatic assets of the United States to, you know, restore the, the flow of cross border travel, you know, in keeping with with public health measures, of course, but it's really important that we get those areas of the world opened up soon where we can you know start welcoming uh, travelers and tourists from Europe and the Caribbean and also that those places are open to people from from the United States as well we also want want the the, the administration to direct the CDC to issue you know standards with regards to the the, the state level travel right so and and we want people to be able to to tr- opt out of quarantines requirements if they if they test negative I mean, if you're in New York right now, you have to quarantine for 14 days after you come home from a vacation, which makes a you know a one-week uh, ordeal into about a three-week ordeal. We we got to get more common sense and more practical solutions uh, on the table for that. Um, the the other, I mean, obviously there's there's a ton and ton of, uh, of of different priorities, but those are those are the kind of the big things that that we that we see are are really important. We stand this nexus between government and business. If we want to represent our, our, our members to 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 interest to the government as best we can, and and that means getting travel started again as soon as possible.
0: Well, you know, um, one of the things that the uh, folks in Ireland and, of course, you know, I'm up to date on all that because we were living there at the time. Uh, between um, we were we were just visitors between February and mid March, but then we were living there as temporary residents. We actually were encouraged to file for temporary residency of the U.K. in Northern Ireland because we were in County Antrim, uh, which made it easy for me once we got that approval done in 24 hours um, to get our prescriptions forwarded for daily medications that my husband and I take to get them forwarded from the U.S. to be reissued in Ireland. I mean, this was a big deal, but it went very smoothly, and um, that was the easy part. But what was amazing to me, listening to uh, radio from the Republic of Ireland and from um, BBC uh, One, in um, you know, Ulster BBC One out of Belfast, um, the, the both governments in the UK and Northern Ireland is very autonomous in many ways. So it was a Northern Ireland thing and then they did similar things in England, Scotland and Wales. But in Northern Ireland and in the Republic, task forces were designated with heads of the forces appointed almost immediately back in March by the governments. They were asked to then appoint people to their committees and they set up a task force for every industry, for retailing, for manufacturing, I mean the list goes on, for transportation, blah, blah, blah. But for the travel industry there was a task force just for hoteliers. There was a task force just for tour operators and so on down the list. And uh, what they did was put the best and the brightest, the most active, the, the ones everybody knows are you know clever and creative, together in these committees that came up with, guidelines that made sense for their particular sector of the economy and got the word out and got behind it. And we were actually in the Kerry Writers Museum in Listowel County Kerry, Ireland, on, I'm going to say the 16th or 17th of July. It was just before we flew home on the 20th and it was there were hand sanitizing devices at the entry before you entered. Another one on the other side of that doorway really meant for people who were exiting. And throughout the building, and they had social distancing, and they had all kinds of jazz in place as to how many people could come in and when they could come in and whatnot. And I was sitting in the corner of their gift shop reception area when a woman, from Fault, Ireland, their tourism board, with her mask, her latex gloves, her clipboard, her pen, and her check sheet came in to make sure that she was visiting County Kerry that day in various places. And she was checking off, Did you? are you doing this? Are you doing that? How many people do you let in an hour? so that the government was involved in helping to establish criteria to keep things under control. And they did, and they put a lid on it, and that's why we were able to come home on July 20th. Regrettably, they then felt confident, opened the doors to every, everybody and their uncle, Uh, from Spain and Italy and whatever, and then bingo, the numbers started to rise again. So that, you know, during the Christmas, New Year's period, everything is in complete lockdown in Ireland now, but they're serious about this. They're in lockdown like for the next three, four weeks because they want to get it under control. And it's so wonderful that there are trade organizations in the travel industry, and particularly ASTA as a leader in this, that are working with your members to help establish a regimen to live by as opposed to you know the wild west where you know everybody does their own thing and maybe we die by it not a pretty story that way so how are you communicating with all of your members
1: yeah i mean we we uh, we have tremendous uh, communication uh, platforms that, that we use to member alerts go out to our 15,000 members on a daily basis. They'll give everyone the landscape of, of what we're working on in terms of who we're communicating with on the Hill, what sort of regulatory bodies we're reaching out to. And that could be, you know, uh, anything from going to the Treasury Department to have them clarify the, the, the loan process for some of our larger members to. Uh, asking the CDC to review the no sale order and and to work with them to on on provisions for the safe return of of cruise uh, cruise passengers. So we we uh, communicate very very regularly and effectively with with our members. But the, the the interesting thing to me that you that you when I heard your your story about being in Ireland Ireland is that, that the consistency creates confidence, right? That that when that when you. Right. That when you When the the government can work with the the public uh, health uh, experts to create and communicate standards, uh, again, uh, helping suppliers know what they need to do and helping people know what they need to do in order to travel safely, that's where the the, the peanut butter and, and and uh, and chocolate sort of a relationship com- comes into being because, to be frankly, very frank with you, it's a shared responsibility. Some people aren't going to return to travel, and you know, we, we we poll consumers as I mentioned before, and some of them say, you know, I'm fine and I'm safe uh, with, with the practices that I employ, but I'm not so sure about what the person that's sitting next to me on the plane is going to do. And because of that uncertainty, I'm I'm, I'm going to sit on the sidelines for a while longer. We can see now if the FAA mandated masks tomorrow, I think it would take away some of that ambiguity. Now, a lot of the airlines have already said that you have to wear a mask on the plane, but there's no FAA regulation behind it. So the worst thing that can happen to you is you can get, you can get kicked off a plane or denied boarding. But if you knew you were going to get fined, you know, on a pretty hefty fine, you might take it more seriously. And again, with the FAA signal that, that this was a serious thing by, by mandating mask wearing on planes, then I think you'd see the 500,000 passengers that are getting on an airplane right now uh, grow to, to more than a million and then more than two million like it was prior, pre, pre-pandemic.
0: Well, in order to fly on July 20th from Dublin to Boston, it was a requirement to wear a mask in the airport and to wear a mask on the plane. And I bought these silly looking hats, like uh, they call them bucket hats. Uh, those of you who can know, used to watch, or catch it on cable, Gilligan's Island, that dopey hat that Gilligan used to wear. Well, it, it's, uh, you know, this round crown of a hat with a big wide brim around it and attached to it is a fairly heavy but pliable piece of acrylic that makes you look like a welder but you can see through it and we I got one for my husband one for me we wore our dopey hats over face masks when we got in the plane we took the face masks off but we left the hat mask on So when we would eat, you could easily just shovel the food underneath your hat, whatever. I mean, we were taking no chances. And happily, we were able to travel. Don't negate travel by car, people, even if it's your own car. And talk with a travel advisor about destinations and resorts and hotels that are taking travel seriously during this problem in terms of disinfecting and cleanliness. And I want to thank you. I know I got to cut you loose. I wish we could talk again. Maybe we can talk again soon in the new year. Happy everything to you, Zane, and to everybody at to. Stay with me, everybody. This is Stephanie Abrams. It's travel with Stephanie Abrams. On the line with me is the president and CEO of ASTA, the American Society of Travel Advisors, Mr. Zane Kirby. And uh, I'm thrilled to have you on with me, especially now, even though we are about to celebrate the end of 2020. And you'll be hearing this in 2021, folks, because we've got interviews backed up, it's racked up and stacked up Uh, and we want to get all this important information out to you. How do you see the role of the travel advisor, especially the travel advisor who is smart enough to know the importance of being an ASTA member, how do you see that person's role changing, not just in the 21st century, but in this COVID environment?
1: Yeah, well, you know, travel just got a lot more complicated. And, it, it, you know, unlike software or other activities that you can do, you know, other types of shopping that you can do from your home if you're buying any kind of, you know, consumer staples, you're playing video games like my teenagers like to do online. You know, for travel, you have to show up in person. And, and because of that, it, it is a very... It's a very unique, it's a very personal experience that people have when they travel. And I think that that's what the pandemic's laid bare, is that it's really important to have someone who's looking out for you when you're on the road. Another human being, someone who knows you, who cares about you, and who can help plan and take not only take the sort of stress and the struggle out of your trip, but who can also navigate the, the extremely complex ecosystem that's out there that, that is that actually is the, the, the travel the travel system I mean there's so many different suppliers and touch points and 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 places where where things can go wrong or places where things can get gummed up and so a travel advisor's role just became that much more important and, and again the people who to your point the people who have joined the, the American society of travel advisors those are the ones who have set themselves apart and said, we're here for the traveling public. We're, we hold ourselves to a different standard, a higher standard. We're practically fiduciaries. We put your interests above those of our own businesses. Oh, and is that that's the why truth? Can, yeah, that. And so you can trust us. We're going to do right by you. And I have stacks of of, of stories, Stephanie, of how people during the pan uh, travel advisors during the pandemic have saved. The, the lives, the fortunes, and the and the time and energy of, of their clients by getting them home when there were no flights to get home to see a, a, a sick parent or a child, by by getting them back into the country when all hope seemed lost, by, you know, when ships were rerouted in the Mediterranean and, and, when, and it went to different ports and pursued and sh- 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 everyone off the ship then. They had to find their own way home. Those people who used a travel advisor, they slept soundly on the ship. They were fine. They knew that everything was being managed for them. So I think what the pandemic did is it really brought to light the, the complexity of travel, of the travel ecosystem, and, and the, the need for professional advice. So I, I think our, while there is obviously some short-term pain, I think the long-term prospects of the travel advisor community are extremely good.
0: Two things, first of all. You need to take all your wonderful stories and you need to make the time that you don't have and put it together in a book and uh, release it both as in print and as an ebook, and people will eat it up with a knife, fork and spoon. Um, the points you make are so important and regrettably I view as the best kept secrets in the travel industry. Um, you know, I started out in this industry as an outside agent. When I didn't know what the word outside meant uh, as it related to the word agent. I knew the word outside, I knew the word agent, I had no idea what they meant when you put those words together. And um, grew rapidly into um, being a, having very high profile clients. And um, that led to my growth and development from within the travel industry. But I have personal insider knowledge of what goes on when a passenger, a client of an agency or an agent is somewhere in the world, whether it's domestic or abroad, and things aren't going according to plan. Uh, there's an airline strike, uh, there's um, ash spewing from a, um, a volcano in uh, In in the state of Washington, (laughs) in Iceland. I mean, more than one spot it happened. Um, The hoof-and-mouth disease somebody reminded me of last week or the week before. We happened to be in England when that broke out a a decade, two decades ago. Um, There are so many things that have hit us where even political unrest in a place where suddenly... The passenger needs to get home, but so does everybody else. And if you don't have your personal advocate, good luck with that. We'll be right back, don't leave me. This is Stephanie Abrams talking with Zane Kirby at Asta.
1: Welcome to Travel with Stephanie Abrams.
0: In any year I can remember. And I guess that's because I sort of feel like the back wheels trying to keep up with the front wheels. Normally, you know, we used to say pretty much everything in the travel industry changed monthly, then it went to weekly, and then it went to daily, then it went to hourly. We're down to nanoseconds. Every nanosecond, something else happens affecting the travel industry. And at this point, a preponderance of it drizzling off of this COVID 19 that's followed us into 2021. Um, uh, You know, 2020 being the year that we'd like to forget about, certainly overcome. And um, although I have to tell you, the five months we were marooned in Ireland, I wouldn't give back for all the money in the world. That was an amazing, amazing experience. And it brings me to something I'm hoping to tackle early on with our very wonderful guest this hour, a guest we had on the air with us either in June or July while we were still in Ireland, marooned, unable to get home. And that's Zane Kirby. Uh, He's the CEO, I think that's his title, maybe it's president. I'll have to ask again. He's the head honcho, um, the executive administrative directing type at the top of ASTA, the American Society of Travel Advisors, a prestigious organization that lobbies on behalf of the travel industry, which truly needs a lobby. Because far too often, people making decisions as they relate to travel, don't know the first thing about the effect of their decisions on the travel industry or the people who are travelers. And one of the reasons I've invited Zane Kirby on today is to tackle a question I've been dealing with the last few weeks. I want you to know that this interview is being recorded Um, around Christmas, New Year's time. So you're hearing it after the new year because we had so many interviews already scheduled that we had to get in. And Zane being the busy man he is, we had a tough time matching our schedule with his to find an appropriate spot. But we nailed them today, people. And you're really in for the real information. I've been really troubled about something. And the thing I've been troubled about is that just before Thanksgiving, someone whose name completely escapes me, didn't recognize the fellow on TV, didn't catch his name flash across the screen, he's obviously in some position of power, and I don't know if he's in medicine or somewhere in US government, but his remark was simple, two words. Not the two words you're thinking of, by the way. <laughs> the two words were don't travel. It might as well be the two words you were thinking of. Because you know I am the biggest coward on the face of the earth. You know, I, if you've listened more than once, you know I don't go anywhere, I might not come back the same or better. I enjoy living, I enjoy life, I am not a risk taker. But... It seems to me you have to use proper information and your good horse sense to figure out what's real and what's not real, what's right and what's not right. And I really think the travel industry was done a disservice, especially when there are hotels and car rental companies and museums and attractions of all kinds that are going to unbelievable lengths to sanitize, deep clean, deep scrub, make the environment safe for the staff and the people who visit there. And to just say don't travel, it just seemed to me the message should have been don't get into crowds. Don't get close to people. Don't inhale and exhale the same air that the guy next to you is inhaling and exhaling. Make sure there is nobody next to you. And we're very lucky. The U.S. is huge. While other people don't want our passport at the moment, they're busting for it actually, but good sense is telling them don't invite Americans at this moment into other countries. But you can travel in your own car to wonderful places or rent a car from a place you have confidence in that they're doing the job to sanitize it between renters and go to all the wonderful outdoorsy places, staying in wonderful hotels, and using the help of travel advisors in the know who are doing that research, and especially those that are ASTA members, getting the kind of information that guides them into who's doing an above-average job at keeping their staff and their guests, their visitors, their customers safe. I think that should have been the story. Not don't travel.
1: Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more, Stephanie. So I want to thank
0: you, um, Zane Kirby, for joining us. Let's get right into it. Talk to me. What do you think about? I mean, have, am I, have I gone round the bend and off the wall?
1: <laughs> well, you know, you, I, I'm a, definitely a biased, definitely a biased source here. But but I think you're absolutely right. You know, risk management does not mean risk elimination. Right? You can't eliminate all risks from your life. Now of course, you know the pandemic is taking a tremendous toll, but we know that that public health is a shared responsibility between individuals and and supplier companies, as you mentioned. But we feel that you know every travel traveler fully informed by their expert travel advisor should be able to determine their own tolerance for travel, their own risk tolerance. You know, there there are some people who are in much uh, more uh, much sort of higher risk categories than others. But just saying "don't travel" is like saying "don't go outside." And I just I, I, I fail to see how that uh, how that's sustainable or enforceable, or even practical.
0: Yeah, and and I'm going to add the word sensible. I didn't think it made sense to me. And truly, Zane, I mean, while we know each other and we have crossed paths for ages, for years, in the travel industry. I you know, I don't think you know me well enough to know what a chicken I am. I mean, <laughs> so, I, you know, I am the last one who's going to say go someplace if I think it's a dangerous place to go to. But on the other hand, you know, I'm the one that believes you got to get to the other side of the road. And if there's an 18-wheeler coming down the pike at 80 miles an hour, maybe you want to wait till it goes by before you cross instead of running in front of it, but it doesn't mean because there's some big, heavy machinery driving on the highways that you shouldn't cross the road. I mean, it just, it doesn't make sense to me, and I don't, I'm, I'm a little jealous, Zane, of what's going on in other places in the world, and you know, I spend a lot of time in Ireland, that's how we got marooned there this year, <laughs> Um, Thought I'd be back the day after St. Patrick's Day, but lucky for us, we didn't get back until July. And we got back safely and in a healthy state. But I listen to Irish radio online. My favorite stations, there are two. Newstalk.com will take you to Newstalk Radio in Ireland, a national radio station. And Lyric FM, Because when they're talking sports at night and weekends, I'm not interested. So that's when I go to Lyric FM in Ireland. So it's Lyric um, Radio. Go find it. Go look up Lyric Ireland. Um, It's a dot-com station. And and my computer knows how to find it on its own. But the Irish government tourism board, which is called Falta Ireland, F-A-I-L-T-E, which means welcome in Irish, has been running public service announcement spots about what you can do, what you can't do, and whatnot. But they're out there promoting that people for Christmas should be buying vouchers for somewhere down the line in 2021, which is a wonderful support system for hotels. And in the U.S., we could be doing that as it relates to you know, call your travel agent and organize a gift certificate with a tour operator or a cruise line or a car rental company or a hotel or resort to give to people at this Christmas for use in the next 12, 18, 24 months, whatever the the, the expiration periods are, so that it helps support the travel industry and give some people a glimmer of hope for travel downstream. I mean, it's just, it's remarkable to me and they're on the air with another PSA announcement from the Irish government about how to keep your distance and you know wearing masks and um, you know, washing your hands and you know all that jazz as a reminder to people that this is the t- and it always ends with this is the time for us to take care of each other. Whereas somehow we've managed to get in a position of people thinking that it's an infringement on their rights if they're helping to protect other people from getting sick. I don't know how any of this happens, but none of that is good for the travel industry.
1: Yeah. It sounds like the Irish are are, are doing a good job in terms of trying to balance the interests, right? There has to, yeah, there has to be uh, a, 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 an understanding that, that further lockdowns and further, Quarantines—they're—they're uh, they're depressing your economy. They're causing people to get depressed themselves, and—and um, and ultimately, they're—they're they're counterproductive. So that—that that sounds like a smart thing. You know, i, I will say we are—we poll uh, consumers every two weeks, Stephanie, and they are itching to get out of there. In fact, like more than a third of people said because of the pandemic, I am more determined to travel abroad, you know, in the next 12 months. Well, so that's—that's a—that's a really strong number of people who say, you know, what I, I'm really. You know, those those trips, those places that I've I've, I've aspirationally wanted to go to for all these years, I'm going to get there next year.
0: Well, and and it's not really a surprise to me. Um, I I find that um, there is a sense. I started using the word probably four or five months ago easily, that there will be a tsunami of travelers. And just this week, I heard somebody use that word on TV that there will be a tsunami of travelers. Because when the dam breaks, when this iron curtain of disease lifts, you're gonna see a rampage of people who want to get out there and go. We're gonna take a quick break and come back talking with Zane Kirby at ASTA, the American Society of Travel Advisors. Don't leave me.